0: Bing, was there a day that filmmaking mattered to you more than skateboarding?
1: There were some days where it did and some days that it didn't. Um, you know, I, I think, so when I was 17, I, uh, I'd watched the film Slacker um, and I like, I took the freaks and geeks of my community in Rockford and I sort of like, you know, had them improv this um, talking about their lives, bumping into each other sort of thing that's very Slacker-esque. On that day, uh, it, filmmaking mattered more to me than, than skateboarding. And then, you know, I kept making skate videos. And then I, you know, my next film that I did, you know, I cared more about filmmaking. I don't know if I'm answering the question or not.
0: No, you are. I mean, whenever you take on a project, whether it's having a YouTube channel or doing a documentary, it takes over your life in so many Mm -hmm. ways. Like, you basically have no free time. This is pretty much what you're doing for a good chunk of time. So was there a point where you said, you know what, I think that I'm going to put skateboarding on the back burner and to me making this film is like everything and I need to do it for me? Um,
1: I mean skateboarding, I feel like it wasn't ever that choice. It was, there was never that fork in the road. Um, I was 24 when I started doing this film. I, I really wanted to explore these themes of family and violence and childhood. So I went around the country and interviewed skateboarders from all over the place. You know, It confirmed my belief that uh, there's a lot of patterns in the community. And then a year in, I met Kier and I was like, oh, this person hasn't processed it in the ways that other people have. Um, like later in the documentary, Zach is like, oh yeah, of course my father you know, beat me. Um, I feel like most people had, were, were brushed it off like that. You know, There's something that had hardened over the softness that Kier still held on to. And that's why I saw myself in Kier, you know, and Kier is willing to do the work of processing it, you know, to not just, you know, brush it off, to, to, to make it, you know, something that, that mattered to him and that he wanted to change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He was incredibly open yeah. and I really appreciate that. And, and speaking of which, and Zach, I think there was one scene early on in the film where Zach kind of looked at you and he might have been smoking or doing something and he said, are you going to film this? And then he says, um, you know what, you can pretty much film whatever you want. So how do you earn that level of trust with someone, even someone who's a friend? I mean, this thing can shape someone in any way they want it to. In the editing room, so how do you um, how do you earn that level of trust? I think
1: it was just um, a five-year-long conversation about representation. Uh, that was one of many moments, both on and off camera, where you know, I mean, we talked about uh, what was going to go in the film, how they felt about what we had captured so far. Um, and sometimes they were, you know, light and uh, funny, like that weed smoking moment. But other times it was like, Zach, how do you feel about me having filmed you run, run off to Denver? How do you feel about you sort of abandoning your son? Um, you know, I mean, it, it, so they understood that um, that I was checking in, that I cared. And I told them a couple years before we finished the film that they were going to get a chance to see the film before it was picture locked and weigh in. So.
0: I'm wondering uh, when you started actually filming videos in general, whether they were skateboarding videos or whatever. When was the, like the first time you picked up a camera? 14, maybe. Yeah. So pre DSLR, I guess. Pre DSLR,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was still mini DV tape was the height of was the height of a technology at the time, and then soon after, I think like DVD, like DVD, recording to DVD came, and then recording to hard drive cameras came.
0: So, I believe initially you weren't intending to put yourself in the film, Mm -hmm. and and I can see why a lot of people have sort of their own take on that. It definitely works, absolutely works that you're in the film. I think you said that at some point your editor and you sat down and you edited all three stories separately just Mm -hmm. to see if they worked. Can you talk about how that worked?
1: Yeah, um, I met Josh um, last year um, editing a different project. And uh, I convinced him to come on to consult it first because he didn't have time to edit fully. And he told me you should try editing every story on its own to get it working. Um, And so I did that. And on the first try with Kier and Zach's stories, it was like, okay, we have a film here for sure um, that can get into Sundance. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because I had, you know, that was the first time someone had told me that. Um, And then for my story, it was like. We're not sure how this is gonna work. Um, We'll figure it out later. Uh, So we love Zach and Kira's stories together, and then, um, you know, ultimately, it was it was um, finding it was it was sort of characterizing the camera as the character um, to ultimately lead up to the mom interview.
0: And how was that to know that it could go to Sundance and beyond? I mean, most people. Hope for that, and they don't actually get it. But then you're filming this incredibly personal story for all parties involved, and to know that, oh my gosh, like this is happening.
1: Because I wasn't doing it for Sundance, I I mean, there's a a large part of me that wasn't doing it just to make a film. Um, It was so important to me that I just would have wanted to do it. And I mean, the goal is to try to get it seen very widely so that it can make a difference. Um, I mean, Sundance was great for that purpose. but I, I you know i'm very much a realist and i'm just like and i very much live in the moment i mean i'm still sort of wake, waiting to sort of wake up and you know oh none of that happened of course yeah No, the last 9 months was just a dream so
0: i think that you'd said in a q and a or maybe this was someone else that what's effective about minding the gap is also what's not being said is there anything you want to talk about regarding that in terms of some of the things you just show and some of the things you leave out and, and the audience can kind of like fill in the gaps in terms of, and no pun intended, but you know, just like what's actually happening or some of the emptiness around the lives of the skateboarders.
1: Um, yeah, I think it was that first year, um, those interviews were really on the nose, you know? <laughs> and that first assembly cut was very much just like people very really, like really directly talking about um, abuse and violence. Um, it was just, you know, Really hard to watch <laughs> uh, and for many reasons um and then once it became more about a story of Zach and Kira growing up and these issues of you know abuse and trauma coming out organically as obstacles to their growing up, I think you know then it became a lot more um emotionally grappling um you know it a little does a lot um and I think that ultimately that's how we were able to fit so many themes that are in the film um you know, race, class, gender relations, masculinity. Um, Because, you know, if you really look at the mechanics of the story, there's really just a one-two punch for some of these themes. Like for race, for example, um, you know, there's really three moments that deal with race in the film, but it it says everything you need to know about how this affects Kier.
0: Right. Can you talk about... The types of filming when let's say you want the subjects to pretend that the camera was not there and then filming where you do want the subjects to look straight at the camera, how did you balance that or was that not even conscious? It was just you were filming?
1: I wasn't really conscious. I mean I, I certainly um, adhered to verite, you know, the school of verite which is that um, you, know, you just hang out and something happens and you start filming. Um, you know, for me, I feel like uh, I watched a lot of verité films that showed how the camera affected the story, and like you felt the presence of the camera. And I, there's something actually more truthful to that. So, you know, I think that's why we left in moments like Zach asking me, like, you know, do you want me to pretend like the camera's not there or what? Um, because it just, yeah, it sort of nods to the fact that, um, yeah, we're both constructing it. And you know we're filming things, and it, the camera might affect their how they're acting. But you can't always do that. That would be exhausting, you know. So there's there's more truth to that, I think.
0: We asked some of our viewers questions ahead of time. We just let them know that it was um, a, a documentary, and we didn't tell them too much. But they had some questions, and they wanted to know. First off, a viewer asked. Uh, his name is Zombie Dude sixty four. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love this, this is, this is awesome.
0: Um, he And I'm assuming it's a he, um, I haven't looked at his uh, account. So what are your tips on um, finding a screenings for the film? How was that? Finding screenings,
1: um, mm-hmm. like feedback screenings? or
0: Yeah, how did you arrange screenings or was it all festival submissions and that's how?
1: Oh, I see. Um, well, I mean getting into Sundance positions you really well for festivals to come to you um, a friend of mine, uh, Stephen Elliot, he's a filmmaker who did this journalistic piece about film fest fees. Um, you should Google it. I mean, it's really telling about you know sort of the behind the curtains look of um, how films get accepted into festivals and the whole microeconomy behind that. Um, and there's unfairness there, um, but it's it's like you know I think it speaks to being a filmmaker who's independent, um, making their first film and having to learn how to play the game while also learning the rules of the game at the same time. And it can be really frustrating. Um, But I think, you know, these things always change. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe the the next film I make will be distributed in a different way. I'll have to apply more. But for the most part, we got into Sundance, won an award, and basically every fest we've gotten into has asked for our film. and, you know, I mean, it's not like automatic either. A lot of films still, a lot of festivals still reject us. It's just that they want to come to us and ask for a screener.
0: At what point did the film become a movie about fathers? Did you, I think you said you just set out to just film the about set family? Out,
1: it was set out to be like that, you know. I asked every skateboarder about that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was sort of built in thematically at the beginning. All the themes were built in thematically, it's just that the way that the themes were told um, shifted over time.
0: I don't know if I'll keep this part in I know the interviewer is not supposed to reveal too much but having grown up without a father I had like one phone conversation with him that was it. I noticed looking back on my life that every friend I had they had a missing parent and then I had this connection with them and I didn't even realize that consciously. Is that something that maybe you saw with the film that a lot of the people that bonded were able to bond in a way that was there was stuff not being said but because they'd had maybe a missing link, so to speak. Yeah, I think heartache
1: really finds affinity with heartache. Um, I certainly felt that way. Yeah, I was friends with mostly people who knew some deep level of pain. Um, and I enjoyed being around them because it made me feel less alone in my situation. You know? Otherwise, you know, I think when I was hanging around people that maybe were more like white bread or vanilla um, with their situations at home, it did make me feel a little less than. It made me feel bad about myself, even though it wasn't my own fault. You know, when you're a kid, you can't help that. So, hanging out with people that uh, shared my pain, uh,
0: ultimately, yeah, it was it was like an ad hoc family, all of its own. I used to dread going to friends' houses that would have like the big family dinner because I wasn't used to that, and so it was so foreign to me. And like to know like, okay, well you have to wait for you know, so and so to speak for you know, just these unwritten rules. Yeah it's super weird and
1: you're like you're I mean what it does though like it sort of enlightens you to the constructedness of these things and ultimately to everything Um, and maybe this is a symptom because I went to school for English um, and it was more like theory and criticism but my big takeaway is like everything is constructed and we can deconstruct everything Um, and so I, I don't know I mean I feel like I was primed for that in situations growing up where yeah it just felt like I was code switching I had to you know, I felt like an outsider, but in that I was performing in order to fit in.
0: So how many years were you making the film? Like, when did you begin, and and then when was it the final edit? I think it was
1: about 24 when I began filming. Um, I was editing all along the way in my bedroom. <laughs> uh, we got funding late 2016, and then you know we started our search for an editor. By that point, I had you know a pretty decent rough cut, and it was like. If we're going to be paying someone twenty five hundred dollars a week, they better be good. But the problem is, in documentary, at least, like the really good editors are booked like a year or two in advance. I was really lucky that I met Josh working on another project. Um, he looked at the rough cut and he agreed to come on to consult, and then he had a few months free to jump in with me. Um, so yeah, that was sort of the the big picture process of crafting the film. It wasn't until the last few months t- um, that I dug into archival footage and you know, built up the sense of you know, this is just an escape video that turned into something else. Um, and even with Kier, I didn't know him growing up. You know, I accidentally filmed a clip of him fighting, I had to source a lot of his footage from other people that were more his age because he's seven or eight years younger than me. Um, Zach I had more footage of because we actually were closer in
0: age. We had another viewer write in. And What's the viewer's name? His name is John Dimalu, and I'm sorry, John, if I'm saying your, your name incorrectly. So he asks, "How do you know when you really have a story to tell, and why do you choose to tell it? So at what point did you know, okay, this is taking shape. This is uh-huh. more than just interviews about family. And and what and why did you go ahead to take the final leap and find an editor that costs <laughs> twenty five hundred a week? Uh.
1: You know, I think it was. I think I was ready to pay, take the plunge when I did a fellowship with Kartempquin and watched a lot of Verite films and just trusted the process of you know these characters' lives are going to lead. I mean, it's all about casting too. You know, I saw in Kier this opportunity to you know capture his his internal transformation and processing, both his father and his race and growing up. Um, for Zach, it was pretty clear that he was gonna have some issues with becoming a young father like he wasn't quite ready for it Um, you know our second shoot we did together with Zach I went into the hospital Um, Nina was getting induced for pregnancy because she was late Um, they botched her epidurals she flatlined it was very traumatic for her Um, we did a long interview with her afterwards I mean yeah that was that was the beginning of it and it was like okay this is this is gonna be
0: a film Wow. Did you tell your subjects, and I know they were really more like friends, but that whatever you filmed would end up in the movie, or did you allow them? I know you said at the rough cut everybody got to see it before it was like finally sort of released. But was that something along the way that you kind of said like, if you don't like it, I'll take it out, or everything I film is going to end up here?
1: No, I mean it was a five-year conversation about what was going to be in the film or not. Um, you know, and it, it was like. I mean, there was never once where they were like, "Don't put this in the film," except for when we were dealing with Nina and what she wanted in the film in terms of her relationship with Zach and the abuse, and that was out of um, a desire to make the relationship work, right? Um, and in my head, I was like, "Well, she could change your mind, you know. Like this relationship is really fickle, and ultimately, if she sees, you know, the fine cut and." Doesn't want this aspect of the film in, you know, it's, we gotta respect her wishes. Um, I mean, there's a famous story about Kirsten Johnson, who did Camera Person. Um, she worked on a film for two years following these Afghani women. And as the end of the process, she showed them the film, and one of them didn't wanna be in the film at all. And so, you know, it was like two, three years of work, just not down the drain, but that she ethically had to put aside. And that ultimately made her think about why, am, what am I doing, documenting these lives? And that led to camera person.
0: Yeah, it's a really fine line because uh, you have to, at some point, put put your foot down and say, well, this is still my project. But then it's also someone's life and someone's legacy. You know, people still have to, you know, go about their lives, and people will recognize them from the film. So.
1: I mean, there's a power dynamic at work that's so different from journalism. You know, journalism, you go in, you get some interview bites, and then you leave. Um, We're asking for years worth of vulnerability um, and representation from these people. And, you know, it'd be one thing if this film were about, um, you know, Anthony Weiner. He has a lot more power than Nina does. Nina, especially in this group, is the most vulnerable. She doesn't have the communal and friend support that Kieran and Zach have. And and she's a woman. I mean, there's everything is sort of stacked against her in this situation. So, you know, especially her, I had to listen to. And yeah, I mean, I I lost sleep thinking like, what if she doesn't want this to happen? And but ultimately, everyone watched the film and they were like, you got it. Like you captured it. You know.
0: Wow. Now the film is going to be released. Is it uh, August
1: 17th? It releases August 17th on Hulu. It'll be in theaters um, several across the country and then. Broadcast and POV in uh, 2019.
0: So, how does that feel? Because it, it, that's, that's going to change things a lot in so many ways in terms of the reach, people knowing everybody's story. How does that feel?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm like dissociating right now because it's like, I mean, that's a coping mechanism that I learned when I was growing up. But, the, you know, I, I think, you know, the way that I handle stress is I. I Recognize what I can and can't control, and I have literally no control over how what the film is going to do. So I'm 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 eager, eager to see what it's going to do, but I'm not sure I feel much yet. I think probably you know 11:59 on August 16th I'm going to feel nervousness, (laughs) but yeah, right now I'm just like, you know, what's for dinner?
0: (laughs) You can tweet about it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's the new coping mechanism. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that. People that have been in a similar situation are going to definitely resonate with the film. Um, and maybe it'll bring up some old stuff, but I think it, it's, you know, I just seeing it, I still was thinking about it the next morning. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm seeing people that are a total different generation than myself, mm-hmm. but seeing them go through the exact same things that I went through. So I, I think that for a lot of people, it's going to be healing in some way. It may bring up some old stuff, but I think it's really important.
1: Something that, You know, when we showed Nina the fine cut, she um, relived the relationship with Zach. They had been split up for over a year at that point, but, you know, she fell back in love with him, his charisma, and she was also hurt by him again. Um, We had to process that with her um, afterwards and her feelings. There was one screening that was at a college in the spring that she came out to, and there was a domestic violence shelter there with a booth that... um, also drew out some people from their community, uh, and there were these women who were twice her age who were saying, like, you know, the, your relationship with Zach reminds me of my relationship with my husband. You were so brave for getting out now, you know. Um, you're so brave for telling your story. And I could just see, it as like all these women were pouring their hearts out to her, that Nina was realizing her story was bigger than her own, right? Absolutely. Um, been, I mean, I have dozens of stories like that where there's just been these really personal effects and people that um, is going to translate, I think, to them being a different father, you know, them, you know, being a different person emotionally. Um, it's been pretty amazing so far, and I hope it continues to have that impact.
0: We have another question that came in. It's much more lighthearted. And it's what's from, the username? Uh, his name is Nafis Mustafa. Okay. I'm just hoping for like another zombie dude <laughs> 420 or something. And Nafis, he's, he's commented before. He's been great. Um, and he writes, um, "What would your advice be to aspiring filmmakers?" So let's suppose somebody's 14 again, but not with a mini DV. This time mm-hmm. they have 4K, or you know, they have just an amazing sort of camera that they're.
1: Do it for the love, you know. When I was growing up in Rockford, um, being a filmmaker was just such an unrealistic thing. I was just doing it for the love, right? I was emulating things. It, it felt good to be creative. Um, but in, in terms of like making, in terms of making a film, uh, you know, these things take years. So like, don't pick something that you're not truly passionate about. Pick something that you care about more than just making a film about. Um, and i think everyone because of their personal experience because of where they come from because of the way they think um everyone has at least one story within themselves that only they can tell and nobody else can tell and i think people should honor and respect that for themselves and i don't just mean making a personal film about themselves I, you know i mean it's just that we you know we we really need to sort of have understanding across many different aisles and lines that um seem a little bit more too highlighted these days, you know, lines of division.
0: Absolutely. What did you use to film the movie with from the mini DV to, there were other shots that definitely weren't mini DV. Um,
1: I mean all that stuff, I don't really, I considered all that stuff archival, um, but so I filmed it with uh, three different DSLRs and then a C300.
0: Did you outline the documentary or did you have any kind of story structure to it?
1: Yes, um, it started out in the probably, <laughs> I'd, I've done like 40 grant applications in, in those years and got rejected for 39 of them, 38 of them. Uh, <laughs> um, it, but like grant applications ask for either a treatment or, you know, or a synopsis or something, right? Um, and then as I got deeper into the editing, I put scenes on Post-it notes and you know, put them on my wall. I kept a very detailed blog that while I was shooting. And that comes from me working in the camera department um, for money to pay rent, um, you know. Um, and then in the final year, I moved to a uh, online whiteboard that Josh Altman turned me on to called Realtime Board. Um, it's a lot easier than, you know, like writing in Post-it notes and sticky notes get unsticky and they fall. And um, it's all digital and it's online and you can, you know, share between different users um, and you can just instantly duplicate a whole thing and then rearrange stuff. Uh, so yeah, there's several different versions of you know both written treatments and and um, scene outlines.
0: In the end, what do you want people to gain from the film? I mean, there's so many themes, as you said, to this film, and, and so many takeaways. It's about family, um, you know, fatherhood, uh, breaking out of a little town, or deciding to stay. I mean, there's so many parts to it.
1: Life moves really fast. Um, you know, we turn. We go, we go into our 20s and we get um, a job, a career, family, maybe. Um, Then we turn 30, and I I don't know. All of a sudden, we get old. (laughs) Um, But then it's like we also have experienced. We often experience adolescence as a time where our emotions are not taken seriously. You know, they're brushed off as like, oh, just grow up, or oh, you're being so emotional. Um, And there's all these epithets that sort of, you know, um, unconsciously tell us like oh, no, we need to grow up, we need to grow up. Um, But in fact, that time of adolescence, it's such such a soft time, such a malleable time, and it just informs who we become so much. Um, Even in the little things, like getting our first job or talking about our father for the first time with a a trusted friend, that stuff really matters. Um, And I think we should give it the respect and the analysis that it deserves. And I think it'll help us understand ourselves as adults. I don't. Know. I mean. Also, I mean, there's millions. And the, we were talking about this off camera, but there's millions of Zach and Kiers out there, and not all of them happen to skateboard. You know, this isn't. This is. Th- these are issues that I think youth face across the board.
0: Yeah, and I think too, what's interesting is it, it affects you even beyond thirty, and that's something that I think people don't realize. Um, whether you're a parent or not?
1: Yeah, I mean you can brush it off, you can sweep it underneath the rug but I mean those seeds that are planted are going to grow.